0: and salutations in the name of the Lord. I trust everybody is doing well and that you're having a fabuloso day. All right, hello, Henry. Good to see you, my friend. Today, we're gonna pick up our narrative. We were introduced to Saul, the apostle, well, Paul, well, Saul first. Uh, in In yesterday's chapter, where we talked about Stephen and his defense, and we saw how Saul... Of Tarsus was uh, uh, they put their cloaks at his feet. He was approving of the death of Stephen, and he was he sent out to get a to get after the Christians. Now they weren't called Christians then, but you remember you remember what I was talking about. We talked about Philip. how the dispersion out of Israel, uh, Jerusalem was primarily uh, Hellenistic Jews. And Philip took the gospel to the Samaritans and he also brought the gospel to the first uh, Gentile that I can think of, uh, the Ethiopian eunuch. And so the gospel is starting to be spread. The gospel has gone from just uh, the Jews of Israel and then it included Hellenistic Jews on the day of Pentecost. And then when they were scattered, Philip took the gospel to the Samaritans, the half-Jews and then also to a non-Jew, to the Ethiopian eunuch. That's where we're at right now. In Acts chapter 9, let's read. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Wow, that's pretty evil. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I'm Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Well the men traveling with Saul stood there speechless they heard the sound but didn't see anyone Saul got up from the ground but when he opened his eyes he could see nothing so they led him by the hand into Damascus and for 3 days he was blind and he did not eat or drink anything for 3 days wow first of all he's on his way to Damascus he's going to be he's looking for christians to believers to uh bring them back and throw them in jail in Jerusalem Uh, he was really getting after it he was really insulted by this faith in Jesus as Messiah now I don't know why he would be so vigorously opposed Um, I don't know if maybe perhaps the the thought of a resurrected Jesus was insulting to him I wonder if perhaps he felt threatened by the growth of this movement because Pentecost added like 3,000 people in one day and this obviously was the talk of the town in Jerusalem and I I don't know if he felt like it was upsetting the status quo. I don't know what the deal was. I don't understand a lot about this. It seems to me that he was a self-appointed He was a self-appointed warrior for the Jewish faith. That's kind of the feeling I get. Uh, I I don't get the feeling that the Sanhedrin appointed him to this because it says he asked the priests for letters so that he could detain and take prisoners from the synagogues along the way. For some reason or other, Paul or Saul really got... Been out of shape over the Christian over the way that's what it was called they weren't called Christians yet Uh, and he set out to destroy them so what happened in those three days though on his way there there was a flashing light he heard the voice of Jesus but they didn't they heard they heard sound but didn't see anyone I don't know if that means they heard the words but didn't see Jesus or if they just heard a sound, don't know. But we know what Paul or Saul heard. He heard the voice of Jesus communicating to him. And and Jesus told him that he was persecuting Jesus by chasing down these believers. This must have been absolutely mind-blowing to Saul. He, had, he was so sold out to the destruction of the believers and to have the very person who was at the core of the belief system that he was sensing, trying to eradicate Jesus talking to him, mm, that had to have been absolutely mind-blowing. So it says here, he got it from the ground, but he was blind. He was led, taken by the hand into Damascus, and for three days he was blind He didn't eat, he didn't drink, anything. He fasted for three days. Now, what happened in those three days? Well, later on in this chapter, we'll see that he saw a vision. Um, Let's go down here to verse 12 real quick. The Lord is appearing to Ananias, a disciple there in Damascus, And he tells Ananias that Saul is praying and that he has a vision where he sees a man named Ananias place his hands on him to restore his sight. So we know that he saw part of his three days he was fasting and praying, he saw a vision. But now there's more details we find out from Acts chapter 26 and uh, I've quoted it here. Paul is standing before Agrippa, he's giving a defense, he's been arrested and uh, he says on on one of these journeys speaking to agrippa on one of these journeys i was going to damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests about noon king agrippa as i was on the road i saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun blazing around me and my companions we all fell to the ground and i heard a voice saying to me in aramaic saul saul why do you persecute me it is hard for you to kick against the goads then i ask, who are you lord he says i'm jesus whom you're persecuting now get up stand in your feet i have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you've seen and will see of me i will rescue you from your own people and from the gentiles i'm sending you to them to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So there was a lot that happened in those three days. He had a vision where he saw Ananias coming and Jesus gave him a little bit more detail about what was supposed to be happening. Now in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street. Ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with the authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. Ananias is a little suspicious, and probably, rightly so, maybe a little fearful. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings to the people of Israel. Now I like this last statement. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. God isn't going to let Saul off the hook. He is going to suffer in the name of Jesus. And we find out later that in his journeys, yes, Saul did suffer. And he's reassuring Ananias. He says, look, he's not getting off scot-free. But I have chosen him. And he will pay a price for what I'm going to have him do. Now, go. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it placing his hands on Saul he said brother Saul interesting calls him brother because obviously he really believes Jesus when Jesus told him that Saul was a believer now brother Saul the Lord Jesus who appeared to you in the road as you were coming here has sent me to you so you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again he got up and was baptized And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Now, isn't this amazing? Here he is. He's a Pharisee of the Pharisees. Emissary of the Sanhedrin. And he went and got baptized. Now, I'm making an assumption here. Baptism in our culture today is a public display giving uh, a vision of an inward work. We say when we baptize our children and when we baptize anybody in our church, buried with him in in death, raised with him in the resurrection to a new life. As they go down into the water, it's burial. And coming out of the water, it symbolizes the new life, the resurrection. And we do that in front of witnesses. I haven't researched this. I don't know if that was common practice or if they just, poured some water over his head, or they took him to a river or a pond, I don't know. But it says he got up after he could see and was baptized. Now, that had to be a big, big, huge step for Paul. Saul, I should say. Because he was identifying, through baptism, with the way, which is why they referred to it. Amazing. Amazing. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Now, Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once, he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is a son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name, this name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. <laughs> this is Saul unleashed. Now, for three days, he fasted and prayed. Now, we see a little bit, we saw a little bit of that vision that he got. And, but I have, a, I just have this sneaking suspicion that in those three days, Paul and Jesus, (laughs) Uh, I can't believe I'm about to say this, had a come to Jesus meeting. You know, that's what my mom and dad used to say when uh, we had to be disciplined. Boy, we're about to have a come to Jesus meeting. I kind of get the suspicion that for those three days, Paul and Jesus got up close and personal. And it must be mind-blowing because he knew the scripture. He was... A Pharisee of the Pharisees, memorized probably the entire Torah. Uh, he knew the Old Testament inside out. He had been a disciple of Gamaliel, one of the most revered teachers of his day. So Paul was a brilliant man, a giant, an intellectual giant. And then when you add the light of revelation that Jesus brings to the table to that Bible knowledge, whoa. He must have just come unglued. And immediately he goes in the synagogues and he starts preaching Jesus crucified. He proved that Jesus is Messiah. Nobody could dispute him. The greatest, possibly the greatest mind the Christian church has ever produced was probably like a whirling dervish during this first couple of days after his conversion because he just, he, he directly went to the synagogue and started preaching. That must have meant something. Now, after many days, curious little statement there. After many days, I used to think he preached in the synagogues and then they let him out of the city. They snuck him out of the city in a basket because they were going to try to kill him. And then he went away to Tarsus for a while. I think I got my timeline mixed up because it says here after many days. This wasn't just after a few days, after many days perhaps as much as a year. And here's why. In Galatians 1, verse 13, Paul's writing says, For you've heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people, and I was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me, so that I might preach among the Gentiles, my immediate response, an important word there, immediate, my immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went into Arabia. Later, I returned to Damascus. So, this there's a space between after many days had gone by, and the phrase, there was conspiracy among the Jews to kill him. Apparently, he left Damascus, went out into Arabia, and then he came back to Damascus. What did he do in Arabia? I imagine preaching. I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know if he uh, went away on a sabbatical. Just But there's a space between after many days had gone by and there was a conspiracy. All right, so this period of time, he gets saved On the road to Damascus, he preaches Jesus' Messiah in the synagogue of Damascus. Then he leaves and goes to Arabia and he comes back to Damascus and there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him. But Saul learned of their plan. Day and night, they kept close watching the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. Pretty tricky stuff. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. But they were all afraid of him, not believing he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him into the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he'd preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. Now think about this. He was sent from the, by the Sanhedrin in Jerusalem to go capture believers and bring them back, put them in jail. He had letters from the Sanhedrin giving him authority to do this. They sent him out on his journey. He comes back and he goes into the synagogues and now he's preaching Jesus Christ crucified, raised on the third day, sitting at the right hand of God the Father. He went out, a persecutor of the church, and comes back its greatest defender. Now, can you imagine consternation in the heart and minds of the Sanhedrin? Hmm. I wonder what Gamaliel thought about this. I'm assuming he was still alive. but Because Gamaliel defended Christianity in one point. I'm just wondering, you know, I'm just... I'm just wondering, you know, there, there's a special connection between a student and a teacher. Especially in, in a discipleship-like thing like with Gamaliel and, and Saul. And I'm, I'm wondering, gosh, did Saul have conversations with Gamaliel? Did they discuss this? Ah! Inquiring minds want to know. Have to wait till I go home to see Jesus to ask Saul that question. But he goes out, the enemy of the church, comes back its most powerful proponent. So Saul Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews. That's interesting. From the very beginning, he went to the Hellenistic Jews. I'm wondering why he went to the Hellenistic Jews, why he focused on them. Hmm. But they tried to kill him. When the believers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Now Tarsus was Paul's home. He was there for an extended period of time, maybe eight to ten years prior to Barnabas coming to get him. Now I'm this is a there's some gaps here that are just so curious to me. First of all, why did he go to Arabia for a year or so before coming back to Damascus? Don't know they had to scoot him out of Jerusalem because they the Hellenistic Jews, Hellenistic Jews were going to try to kill him. They sent him to Tarsus. There's some conjecture and I'm going to offer up conjecture. This is not gospel. Page thinking with his mind with his mouth open. Saul had been raised and was a brilliant advocate of Judaism. One of the greatest minds that Judaism has ever produced he was very evangelistic in his opinion of Judaism he was brilliant he had been taught by one of the greatest rabbis or one of the greatest teachers of his day gamaliel but his knowledge of scripture was lacking in the sense that he didn't tie, he hadn't been able to tie it to yeshua messiah Mind is blown on the way to Damascus. He realizes that the very person that he despised is indeed Messiah. And if he's really a Pharisee of the Pharisees and a student of the word, I get the feeling that God sent him back to Tarsus so he could spend the next 10 years rebuilding his knowledge of the scriptures. In essence, Relearning the meaning of the Torah within the context of Jesus being Messiah—that's a huge thing. He'd have to reevaluate prophecies concerning Messiah. He'd have to reevaluate the different places in Scripture in Isaiah uh, where it refers to Jesus as or uh, refers to Messiah as suffering. He'd have to relearn the significance of those within the context of the fact that the Messiah that Jew, that the Jewish nation had been looking for had lived in their midst for 34 years. Don't know if he ever saw Jesus. He'd be about the same age as Jesus. Don't know if he ever saw Jesus. I don't know if he was a member of the Sanhedrin. He was probably part of the crucifixion process um, because he would have been an enemy of Jesus. I don't know if God put him on the back burner to sort things out, to sift things through, and to reevaluate and to relearn and recalibrate his theology. I kind of get the feeling that's what happened. Don't know. That's my thoughts. Another thought is this. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. Um, very Many people believe he was married. So he would go back to Tarsus and... Be with his wife if he had one. I kind of think he did because later on he gives advice in his one of his epistles, he gives his advice on divorce, and the advice he gives hints at the fact that he knows what he's talking about. So, I you know, there's lots of things that are swirling around in my brain, but as I think with my mouth open, I kind of get the feeling that. God had a lot of things to show Saul. Sent him to Damascus and he had to rethink things through, rebuild his theology, rebuild his thinking, recalibrate his viewpoints and do some serious, serious study and in many ways relearn what he thought he already knew. But whatever happened, something happened. Because he went away, Saul, and come back comes back as Paul, the apostle. It's an amazing, an amazing story. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. Now the church has moved out of Jerusalem. It's moved into Judea and Samaria isn't that amazing the church is already getting established outside the bounds of Judaism alright this is a good place to stop the story of Saul the Pharisee becoming Paul the Apostle is fascinating we're going to take a break from Paul because well Paul taking taken a break from and he's in Tarsus. And over the next 10 years or so, we're going to see what happens. What else is going on? We bring our focus back to Peter. And he has a very important thing that happens in his life in ministry. So our focus is going to be on Peter starting tomorrow. All right. That's it. Mr. G, coffee. I, dear people...